let's just say you come into a place and you need a set of tires. You're going to go in and buy some tires, and you, you come in this, this store, and it's, if you're a tither, as soon as you walk in the door, angels standing around that store oh, wow, would, really? would say this. They would say, heads up, boys. Tithe money just walked in the house. Wow. Covenant circumcised money <laughs> just came crazy. in the house. And so when you tithe, you're circumcising your money. You're dedicating it to God. And so uh, they would say, tithe money just walked in the house. Get him the best deal. Get him the best price. Get him the best of everything. Wow. And so the guy that's going to take your car in the back and you're out in the lobby, he's back there looking at the tires and he don't think about nothing. But all of a sudden he reaches up to get a tire for your car. And it has a blemish on the inside of it. And he don't know it. And you don't know it. But that angel knows it. And you're a covenant man. Your money's circumcised. So that angel just bumps that old boy down the line. And he don't know why, but he picks the next tire. And puts that on your car. Because the one with the blemish could have blown out when you were going down the interstate and killed you and your whole family. Gee, wow. But the devourer was rebuked for your sake. And you got the best deal. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so, so it allows God to touch every material thing that you have. That's the tithe. I got to say, the first time I ever heard that and saw it on a TikTok reel that an ex-evangelical posted, I was taken aback by seeing what was said by Robin Bullock. This was during uh, a discussion that he and Steve Schultz from The Elijah List were having the program that was aired on this was from November 29th of 2021. That video has been taken down off of YouTube without any explanation. You cannot find the full video of this. And even the 10 minute, 30 second clip that's available uh, from that same discussion that's on YouTube, this is no longer available as part of it. Uh, in fact, the conversation of that 10 and a half minutes is based on the blessing of tithing in Genesis that Robin and Steve Schultz talk about. Listening to what he just said, it I wish that it was made up. I wish that it was a joke, a very poor joke, but it's not. It's actually a teaching that Robin Bullock has put forth about tithing. And I want to talk about it today. I wanted to talk about tithing because this is very much a hot topic among Christians. Some people, and especially the, the circles that I came out of, tithing was a big deal. In fact, it was stated over and over again, uh, many times referring back to Malachi 3, which we will talk a little bit about today. And I'm going to point you to some good sources that will help shed some light on the subject. But Malachi 3 was a go-to passage for tithing. In fact, tithing was stated that if you are not tithing, if you're not giving your 10% and then uh, you're not doing your offering, if uh, certainly if you're not doing your tithe, your 10%, that you are robbing from God. And the question is, is that appropriate for today? Are we commanded to give 10% of our gross income. And of course, there was all this debate of, of, is it gross income or net income? What are you supposed to do? And you need to be sure to be doing that. Uh, people would keep tabs on people in the churches to see if they were giving the tithe. And if, if they weren't, they weren't allowed to do the tithe and offering message. Now, there are some churches that don't even do a tithe offering message. I know the church I go to doesn't. 
but there was even a separate sermon many times that was for the tithe and offering. And then during conferences, there were additional sermons that were given for the offerings to take up offerings for the speakers that were there and to given to help with the honorarium and and to provide and to give financially and to provide a time for you to get increased financially because when you tithe it was automatically anticipated that you were going to be materially financially blessed I mean there were many um, stories I can tell you uh, that were said by speakers and others and I was even allowed to do the tithe and offering messages at times in the church over the almost 20 years we were there Many of us would give different accounts of when we gave that we reaped a financial harvest from that. And not to say that God doesn't care about us being provided for in those areas, but the question is, why do we give? Is is that required of us as far as the tithe today under the new covenant? And do we give always expecting that we are going to be financially blessed above and beyond, that we're going to have abundant wealth, abundant prosperity, in order for us to just have all these things materially? Or is there something far greater to that? Is there something that reveals about our giving that's far beyond that? And what is the actual blessing that that we are to look towards? as far as believers. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. And I know that there'll be people that won't agree with this, but ultimately we go back to scripture and see what scripture has to say on the matter. I'm sure that you're going to figure out where I stand as far as what Robin Bullock just told Steve Schultz and what is no longer available on YouTube to be a evaluated in its entirety. So we're going to look at another teaching on prosperity, on tithing that Robin Bullock did with Steve Schultz to see where he's coming from on this. And I'm going to give you a little bit more insight as to what he means by the word Lord, as I've talked about before, and a different one about God's sovereignty and what his teaching is about the Lord, and he prescribes it to tithing. So let's see what he has to say today, and let's see what scripture has to say on the matter. Hi there, and welcome to the Love Sick Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Sick Scribe. On November 15th of 2021, Robin Bullock and Steve Schultz on the Elijah List, it's called the Elijah Streams on the video, discuss the teaching of how tithing helps you prosper. And that's what we're going to look at today because we do not have the full video of the teaching from November 29th of 2021, where Robin Bullock uses the example of going into a tire store and that you've circumcised your tithe for those of you that have given your 10%. And because of that, you will not get a tire on your car that could possibly wipe out your entire family with a blemish on it, that an angel in the tire store is going to bump the, the guy down the back that's getting your tire and get you a tire that doesn't have a blemish in it because you're a tither. Now, the thing I'm going to point out to you right at the beginning here that was problematic, if you go to look this up online, you're going to find that when this is shared, and the only reason why I could see the original clip of this analogy that he used was an atheist posted this in 2021. It was posted November 30th on Twitter of 2021. It's a one minute, 40 second clip that an atheist posts. It's all friendly atheist. And there's several different sites that are atheistic or secular in nature that are anti-Christian and are poking fun at this with good reason, because this is a ridiculous teaching. And on top of that, as I said, there's a TikToker that's an ex-evangelical that is also mocking this. And then the question is posed, well, 
does that mean that the non-tither gets the, the tire that blows out on their car and potentially wipes them and their entire family out? This is a horrible teaching. It's a horrible teaching, not to mention the fact it negates the sovereignty of God. It's focusing on materialistic blessing. It's basically saying, well, because you tithe and you give your 10% that you've circumcised your money. Therefore, you are protected. You are, you, nothing bad can happen to you because you give. Now, let's just quash that right now and to say there are things in your life as a Christian that are going to happen to you that seem bad. There are going to be things that are done in in evil, malicious ways. There are going to be things that bring suffering, that bring trial, that bring tribulation, that bring hardship, that bring difficulty. Scripture promises, as I've said many times before, <laughs> Scripture promises that these things are going to happen to believers. We understand that God is sovereign in the midst of all of that, and that he works all things, according to Romans 8, for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So that means even the things we don't deem good that happen to us, God works for the good, and it's to bring him glory ultimately. And so I I just wanted to point that out because there, there is this manipulative teaching, unfortunately, with the tithe, not just in the hyper-charismatic movement, the New Apostolic Reformation. I know it goes on in other churches and even in other belief systems with money because money is, is the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money itself, but the love of money and greed and wanting to, that it can become a master. We know that scripture talks about that money can become a master and you cannot serve two masters. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. We know that scripture alludes to these things and scripture um, does not necessarily say that having wealth is a bad thing. It's a matter of the heart, as we're going to see even with giving in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. But what Robin Bullock is teaching is abusive. It's abusive and manipulative, and it's it's twisted. And as we're going to see in this teaching today that that he did with Steve Schultz, and, and the other thing that really is troubling to me is that Steve Schultz doesn't call him to the carpet on it, doesn't push back on it, doesn't question it. He just accepts it as if it's, this is the truth. And that's bothersome because this should be pushed back on. It should be questioned. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by what you just said about angels being an entire store and that heads up, boys, tithe money just walked in the door, just walked in the house. Okay, so (laughs) I wanted to look at this because tithing is a big deal to a lot of people and People swear by that if I if I give my 10% off my gross income, then God is going to bless me materially and that I'm guaranteed to have abundance of wealth. And, and yes, I do believe that God provides for us, but we're going to look at some of this teaching to see what Robin Bullock's perspective is in context to some of this as much as we can without the, the, the original video. Look at a different teaching and see what does scripture have to say? Do I have to give tithe, the tithe the 10%? Am I required to give the tithe? Or what does the word tell me as far as my giving is concerned? Let's talk about it today. So as I said, we're going to look at this teaching from Robin Bullock from November 15th of 2021. It was titled, How Tithing Helps You Prosper. And he begins with Malachi 3, as many people do. And I encourage you to do some studying on this. We'll touch on it near at the end of this evaluation and see what some other um, Bible teachers have to say on the matter. And I'll post some videos in the link so you can look at those and, and post one or two articles for you also to read and to look at to help get you gain some better understanding on the matter from a biblical perspective. 
But Robin Bullock talks about Malachi 3, and he talks about that tithers uh, have a promise and a blessing to them based on Malachi 3 from the Old Testament. And just a, a quick little thing, take note of who the audience is in Malachi 3, the application, and what the tithe was. And But he also focuses on the windows of heaven in Malachi 3. And and some of you listening are probably like, oh, yeah, I've, I've heard teachings about this on Malachi 3. I don't know how many times. L- listen, I heard the same thing, that the windows of heaven, if you'll give and you'll obey God, that the windows of heaven will b- open and that there'll be a blessing that you can't even contain based on Malachi 3. Yeah, I've heard all this stuff, too. I'm sure you have ad nauseum. But he says that there's only two other instances in Scripture that he knows of that these same words are used, the windows of heaven. He references Noah when the ark was open and then an account with Elisha. He goes on to say that when Abraham tithed, uh, that Levi tithed in in Abraham's loins. And, And he discusses some about Melchizedek from Hebrews 7. And so, again, I would encourage you to look at that for time's sake. And just to see who Melchizedek was, what Hebrews is essentially the whole book of Hebrews is pointing back to the old covenant, but there is a better covenant than the old covenant. There's a better priest, there's a better king, there's a better prophet, there's a better sacrifice. Everything's better. And all that better is pointing to Christ, who is the fulfillment of the old covenant. He fulfilled the Mosaic law. He fulfilled the words of the of the law and the prophets. About three minutes into this teaching, Robin Bullock begins to talk about that tithing connects the physical to the spirit. What it does is tithing connects the material world, anything to do with the flesh and and the spirit to heaven. It, it makes the two come together. And, uh, you know, whatever, like if I was going to give, say I had a dollar bill in my hand. I, I, here's something people don't don't get, and they need to get this, is that, because it, it'll prosper you no matter what the governments do, okay? And this is the way I live. This is the way I live. I always have. And so since I've been saved. See, there's only one thing that touches every part of your life. Everything. Your material life. One thing. There's one substance that touches it all. And that's money. You can't do anything in the natural world without money. Now, I understand there's a lot of things in, in the natural world because of how our system is that we cannot do without money. I think I'm understanding where he's coming from, but to say that there's nothing in this natural world you can you can do without money is not true. I mean, you can pray without using money. You can worship God without using money. You can be kind to others without using money. You can be generous um, without money, meaning generous in your time, generous in, in helping others. There's lots of things that you can do that doesn't require money. But in these teachings, money is central to what they're doing. And though we understand that money is necessary for a a lot of times for missionaries to do what they need to do for the gospel to go forth for people to, for example, for with Compassion International, when you're helping those children, we know that money is required in order to help them get the food they need, get the supplies they need for school to provide for them. We understand that. But again, when you are making money the central focus and that and it's in its order for you to prosper and not understanding what spiritual prosperity is, that you can be spiritually blessed or that prosperity is not just for you to experience something, but it's in its own order for the body of Christ, for others that are impoverished and such, for you to understand the spiritual blessings behind that when you give. 
but the focus is on you returning and receiving a, a reaping and harvest for you to receive a, a harvest back for you to get a return back on your your investment it's treating it in a business like manner and it's treating it in a very self-centered manner because it's all about you if you give then you're going to reap a reward you're going to reap a harvest well yeah there's some truth to that in the sense of spiritual blessings and such, and that God will provide for you and will give you what you need in order to sustain and to and care of you. But there's something far greater than than this going on. It's about giving God glory. It's about helping others. It's about the spiritual blessing that you get knowing that the, the other areas of the body of Christ are being blessed because you've been able to give from the financial abundance that God's given you, that you're not just hoarding it up for yourself and just saying, oh, look, I've got all these things. And I know that God loves me because I have all these material blessings. There are people in third world countries that can't say that. So if this is part of, I don't know if he believes this is part of the gospel message, but if anybody believes that financial prosperity is part of the gospel message, then that's untrue because you cannot preach that message universally all over the globe and see the same results consistently. But the true gospel, you can, because the true gospel is you are spiritually bankrupt. You need Christ. You are in sin. You are lost. Come to Christ. Repent receive salvation through faith in Christ alone and get have the promise of eternal life. Be spiritually rich. That message can be ministered all over the globe with consistent results every time. Lost souls, spiritually dead people come to Christ and are given spiritual life and eternal life in Christ and are brought from death to life and brought from being under the wrath of God, being an enmity with God to now being a co-heir with Christ and being a child of God. Do you see that? But when you have a message that's always financially focused, there's this undercurrent of, well, we've got to have this money in order to meet the needs for the conference. We've got to have this. We've got to pay these speakers. We've got to do all of these different things in order to have this or this abundance that we have to have these outward financial materialistic temporal things in order to prove that we belong to God. That That's not a message that can be universally presented everywhere. And I, I mean, I would seriously think about that because when you go into these impoverished areas in, in Africa, in Haiti, in, in many parts of the world that are severely impoverished, some of the poorest places in the world, you cannot preach this message and see the same outcome. And yet there are people in these impoverished countries that will continue to give because there's this promise that, they, that this blessing will come. And so a long answer to this statement he made, no, there are actually things you can do without money. And though money is necessary to do things that we need to do in this world at times, the amount of money that we have or that financial return is not what, again, marks us as being blessed by God. That's not the mark of a blessing. But he's going to continue to go on in this and talk about that uh, if God touches your money, that um, the devil has to let it go. So let's see what he says about that. He uses an analogy of a dollar bill. Now, if you can take that thread and let God touch it, now he's touching everything in your life that that That's thread's good. connected to. And this would apparently also include going into a tire store. We're going to continue on. But to do it is you don't take your tithe out back and shoot it off to heaven in a rocket. So what you do is I've got this. Okay, here is a $1 bill. Here's a one. You see it. George's picture's on the front. Now here 
is here is the devourer. He's devouring it. He's devouring it. Now, if God, if God can touch it, he has to let it go. So how do you get God to touch that? You give him part of it. You give him part of it. Now God touches it and the devourer has to turn it loose. I've covered Robin Bullock before when he's talked about the use of the word Lord, what he says it the Lord means. He says it's not physically the Lord when the capital L-O-R-D, all four letters are capitalized. He says that's not the Lord. That's not God. That is actually something else there. And he uses that to signify reap time and harvest is what he believes it is, sowing and then the reap time and harvest. But in this video, he's showing a dollar bill and he's holding it one hand and he's saying the devourer. So he's folding it up in the one hand. And then he's saying, how do you get God to touch your money? Which seems to negate the sovereignty of God. And I've, and I've said that before. And the other thing I've covered with him is that he seems to not acknowledge that God is sovereign in this world. And there is this teaching that that since we have dominion, that God is not able to do what he needs to do, that he has to have us. He needs us in order to be able to enter into this world, in order to intervene. He must have a human vessel in order to do that. Otherwise, God's hands are tied and he can't do anything. There is this teaching out there, and I've heard this teaching, and, and I've heard it alluded to that he needs us and I'm sure you have as well, ignores and negates the sovereignty of God. So you have to do something in order for God to touch your money. Otherwise, he can't do anything because he's already done everything he can do. And so the devil is able to do whatever he wants to do. And you have to do something. So what are you supposed to do? He tears off a little bit of the dollar bill and says, you have to give some of your money in order for God to touch it. That Again, that's law. That is coming back to legalistic belief that you have to do something in order for God to be able to intervene rather than dealing with the issue of the heart in why do you want to give? Is it because of obligation? Is it because you want something in return? Or is it because you want to glorify God, you want to bless others, and you still trust in the meantime, God is going to take care of the provisions that I need, that I'm going to seek his kingdom first. I mean, I'm going to glorify him. And I'm going to I want to obey him. I want to glorify him because I'm I'm his child. My nature has been changed because of Christ. And I want to do everything in word and deed that glorifies him and that honors the gospel, that I want to serve him well. I want to represent him well because I belong to him. I'm, I'm his child now. That's why I do what I do, because there's been a heart change in me. Rather than this whole thing of, well, you have to do something in order for God to touch your money. Otherwise, you know, the devil can do whatever he wants to do, but you have to give and you have to do this and that. That's law. I'm sorry. That's law. That sounds like law. He does go on to say that the tithe is a tenth. And about nine minutes into this discussion, he's making a distinction between prosperity versus teaching on poverty. And he's going to the other extreme of saying, well, you know, these Christians just want to, whenever you start talking about money, they say, oh, you're one of those prosperity preachers. All you care about is money. He said, well, would you prefer to be poor? Would you prefer to have the, listen to these preachers that get up and say, oh, God wants you poor. God wants your children not to have food. God wants you to not have any clothing. So go ahead and give. He's using an extreme example, going to the other side of the aisle 
in saying that? Well, first of all, we're not promised abundant wealth, physical wealth, temporal wealth in this world. We're not promised that as believers. Does God take care of us? Yes, he does. There are people even in in very poor countries that God takes care of them, even in their the conditions that they live in. There are some people that are believers that they don't have everything that they need. Does that mean that they're not blessed? Does that mean that, that God doesn't love them? What does that mean? Again, we go by this whole thing and making this, ex- going to the other side of the aisle, making this extreme uh, contrast and trying to say, well, if you don't believe in prosperity at any of, of what we're saying, then you just believe that we're supposed to be poor. No, what we're saying is we want to be biblical about this and to take this approach from what scripture says in a correct way. And from there, having an understanding so we can know what to do in a proper way and not be manipulated and twist the scripture into saying something it doesn't say and misappropriating it. Whether it's, again, whether it's an intentional, I go to this a lot of times saying whether it's intentional or unintentional. We don't know the, uh, necessarily all the motives of people's hearts, but God does. God knows their hearts and their intentions and their motives, whether they're pure or whether there's malicious intent, greedy intent behind them. But we want to know what scripture has to say in the proper context so we can glorify God in the proper way so that we're not manipulating people and not contort and not contorting the scripture to make it mean something. So it ultimately results in our personal benefit. As believers, we are given two commandments by Christ which essentially sum up the Ten Commandments, by the way. The first one is to love the Lord your God with with basically every part of your being, with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and where you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. Yourself is last, in case you haven't noticed that. In the order of what goes on there, God is first, and then you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. You're supposed to put others, think more highly of others than you do yourself. We're supposed to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. So we're supposed to think more highly of others, think of others, and that's sacrificial. To think of others more than yourself, to put others before yourself, that is upside down to what the world says. The world has this way of saying, well, if you have all this financial gain, if you have these temporal blessings, all this physical wealth, all this, this comfort and this security, then you are truly prosperous. Think of yourself, put yourself first, climb the ladder and climb on other people in order to get up the ladder as much as you can and make sure that you have everything that you need in this world. And that will show that you are truly loved and truly prosperous as opposed to put others ahead of yourself. Think more highly of others than you do yourself. This is how you know that the love of Christ is in you, because this is, again, this is a heart matter. How we deal with our finances is a heart matter. It really is. And there will be some people that, that teach this in, in the, the, the prosperity gospel and, and focus on this in a manipulative way, and they will still say things that are partially true. They will tell you, no, this is a heart matter. You need to be sure that you're giving. You can't afford not to give. They may have pure motives behind that. But when someone says you can't afford not to give, I've heard that before in these circles. And a lot of times they're saying you need to do this because there'll be financial blessings, material blessings for you in that if you'll give. You can't afford not to give because if you don't, then you're just not going to reap the benefits of this. How about we take a different approach to it and we say, how is this going to bless others in me giving? Not what's in it for me, 
what's in it for others and how is this going to glorify God? If God has given us financial means and he's blessed us in ways materially, then we need to take those opportunities to be a blessing to others, to think of others before we think of ourselves personally of, well, what can I buy with this or what can I get out of this? How can I be a blessing to others? How does this glorify God? How does this help the body of Christ? The spiritual blessings in that. Joy. How many of you all have joy when you're able to help someone that's in need? And you don't go and have to tell everybody about it, that you help somebody in need, but you just help them because you know, I've got this abundance. I've got this ability that I can bless someone financially or give them something. And I don't have to announce it and tell everybody that I've done this, but God knows that. And I have joy and, and rejoice when I get to do those things. And can you see that the spiritual blessing you have in that of seeing someone else, another uh, believer in Christ that's getting blessed because of you being able to bless them materially or to help provide for them, maybe to help pay their rent or their electric bill, or you buy them a meal or you buy even an unbeliever a meal or something. You see someone on the side of the road that needs something. The heart change in you, it's not, well, I'm just not going to help them. They need to help themselves. But instead, it's that out of abundance of going, God has blessed me. He's allowed me to steward this. He's allowed people to steward certain areas of wealth, of financial wealth. And we need to be good stewards of that and not just hoard it up, but to say, okay, well, and I know this is not necessarily part of the tithe and offering, but it's just something to consider when you've been given those things ask yourself, how can I be a blessing to others rather than just saying, well, you know, I just want to have this for my own security and to, to be able to, to have really nice things whenever I want. There's nothing wrong with having nice things, but at the same time, it's where is your heart? Because you can't take those things. You can't take those things to heaven. These things are temporal. They're not going to last. Robbers can break in and take them. Moths can eat stuff away. Rust can um, destroy metals. You know, it's it's where our heart is in the eternal matters that are of significance. I don't want to do this episode today to browbeat people and to say, well, you shouldn't have nice things. And it's it's not okay to have money. And it's not okay to do this and that. And, and you need to give more if you... I'm not saying any of that. It's ultimately going back to this teaching and then for us to have a, a look at what tithing really is. And for all of us, including myself, to to do a heart check and to say, if we have finances available to us, where is our heart in all of this? And are we wanting to glorify Christ and what we've been given to to steward over, whatever that amount is, and whatever we can do? And where is our heart in giving? Where is our heart in giving? Not what the amount is. Where is our heart in giving? That's the ultimate question. Because a believer is not going to be stingy in their giving, whether it's financial, whether it's giving of their time to someone, whatever it is in that in that capacity. And I know that's a that's a an, an offshoot of this topic, but we'll get back back to the matter at hand. Just something to think about. I mean, it's something I think about too. Is I want to be a blessing to other people, and I don't want it to be continuously be, well, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? Because I had that mentality before of wanting, also wanting to be a blessing to people, but when I gave, it was like, oh, I expect that I'm just going to have a full bank account, and I'm going to have all the things that I want, and I'm going to have this and this and this, and when I assigned my money, that was another thing too. I don't know if any of y'all can relate to this, but on the envelopes, uh, there was, uh, and the the 
ministry I was part of, there was a seed assignment that you could write on the, the envelope and you could assign that seed. That was a declaration, right? That you could tell that seed what it was going to be purposed to do and that it had to do it. You had to have a return back on it. And that if you gave, um, if you gave a seed that was extravagant and it was, it was a radical seed that you were going to have a massive harvest from it. I mean, there are going to be people that are going to argue with me about this and they're going to say, well, I saw that return. I had this happen. I had that happen. Well, what did you do with it? Did you glorify God with it? Or was it something that you just relished in it because of the financial gain? Was it, is, was it unto you or was it to glorify God? Did it glorify God or was it to glorify you? See, I mean, these are hard questions to ask, but we need to be asking these questions. And there were abusive things about giving that I believed, and I don't believe those things anymore. Now, I do believe in giving, and I'll, we'll get to that. And I'm sorry for the rabbit trail, but sometimes I think it's good for us to think about these things and to, to get the, the perspective on them, because we can, especially in the Western mindset, we can have a very warped understanding of what blessing really is and what prosperity really is. And if you've never been to a foreign country, to a third world country, and you've seen true poverty... I encourage you, go to a third world country. I've been to some. Go to go to a third world country and see what uh, what poverty looks like, but spiritual prosperity really looks like. See what joy looks like in the midst of material poverty. That really will give you some perspective on what prosperity really is as far as a spiritual understanding of it in accordance with, with the Word of God and the relationship with Christ. All right, enough of that soapbox. So um, as we go on through this teaching with Robin Bullock, he, he talks about Melchizedek. And he goes off in this tangent about a little bit about that Melchizedek was Shem, which was Noah's son. I'm not going to get into that. But needless to say, Hebrews 7, 3, read it. <laughs> I, think that, I think that will be of help <laughs> uh, because I, I don't agree with that. And, and even the Mormons teach that Shem was Melchizedek. There's some teaching on that. This is not a salvific issue, but just some things that I, I kind of was going, What? Melchizedek doesn't have a genealogy according to Hebrews 7, but we can trace Shem's genealogy and we know his father was Noah. Um, Melchizedek, we don't know his father or mother. So, and again, Melchizedek is, is a, is showing that there's a better priest who is Christ there. Uh, He talks about Jacob. He talks about the account of Jacob's ladder. And this is where he mentions, among other times, he mentions this about the Lord, the capital L-O-R-D, all four letters. And he said, this is not God, but the system of his government, which is seed, time, and harvest. I I think I said reap, time, and harvest earlier. I'm going to correct myself. Seed, time, and harvest. He says, and he believes this. He's taught this in other things too, as I've said, that when he says the name of the Lord, that that is the government of God, which in other times he's made note of this and saying the government of God deals with the prophets. So when it's the word of the Lord coming forth, that's not God speaking. That's God's government speaking, which is the fivefold. It's a very warped way of saying things and not acknowledging it actually is God. It is the Lord. It's not his government, his system of government of this giving that's set up. And let's just also point this out, too, that even when you're looking at Jacob's ladder, we can see the account in the Gospels where Jesus is talking to one of the disciples that he calls, and I believe it's Nathaniel, and Nathaniel was sitting under a tree, 
And Jesus makes a reference in that conversation with Nathaniel about that you'll see greater things than these. You will see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man, which that's an alluding to the, uh, Jacob's ladder. Again, that's a, a typology that you'll see there in the Old Testament now being fulfilled in the New Testament. So as we go on, um, about 16 and a half minutes in, Robin Bullock makes the statement of nobody cannot afford not to tithe. And so let's listen to a little bit of that that he says with Steve Schultz. Talking about people doing it on purpose, you can tithe. And nobody can afford not to tithe. I mean, anybody can tithe because it's only a tenth. It's not a set amount. Only the set percentage. In other words, you you don't get in on the blessing by giving $1,000. You get in on that, opening those windows by the tithe. It's the tithe. The the tithe is, I'll say it this way. The tithe is not beyond anyone's income. There you go. Okay. No matter what income they have, they can tithe. Yeah, someone wrote to me the other day because this was a subject, and they said, well, I I gave 100. They were less, way, way less prosperous. And they said, Mm -hmm. well, I gave 100. I know that's not much. And I said, it has nothing to do with the amount. It has to do with the heart. It's not the amount. It's what, of course, you're... It does sort of have to do, it does have to do with the percentage, if you can put with it that With the percentage. Way. But see, yeah. that's so that everyone can do it. Because right. if they only have a dime, well, I only have a dime to my name. Great. Then you got a tithe. Yeah. you got a penny. You can tithe. Now, I'm going to say something. And if people say, well, all I got's a penny. Well, then just give the penny because it ain't going to do you no good any other way. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> you know? That's really, really okay. good. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say this, and I know we're out of time. But this is a mystery for people to ponder. Okay, remember when Jesus was watching the treasury? Now, he's getting ready to go into the account of the widow with the two mites. And I'm going to skip on to the 20-minute mark in this so we can hear a little bit of what he has to say. Because he's going to say whatever was given in the offering, that it all counts to you. So I'll, I'll <laughs> it's very weird to, to hear these teachings and to hear how this is played out um, and portrayed to people as far as, you, you know, you can't afford not to give. You need to, I've heard people say, you know, if you don't have any money, give a button off of your clothing, tithe something. That's not a tithe, by the way. And then he's playing this, this little semantical game here of, well, it's not about the amount, it's about percentage. And again, I want to touch on that and have some explanation from Bible teachers for a little bit for you to help you understand what the tithe was in the Old Testament and what we are to do now, today, as New, New Testament believers. But he, I've heard people say that. You know, if you don't have any money, then just pull a button off one of your clothing and put it into the offering plate because God will honor that. Rather than teaching, for example, what 2 Corinthians 9 talks about, about purpose in your heart, what you should give and using wisdom when you can't give because of financial constraints you have at that time and using wisdom, biblical wisdom and understanding and taking care of your family and putting that money, putting saving money and putting money back and, and, you know, just different things that are, that are talked about from a biblical standpoint and teaching um, good discipleship and teaching good stewardship and instead of manipulating people in order to give and ultimately to benefit the the main leader, 
and that happens a lot of times. It's not always, but there there are instances where it's essentially to benefit that leader and you see them having, it's almost like a pyramid type effect. Or, um, I don't want to say scheme, but a, a pyramid type effect where the people that are on, on the higher up, the on top of the the ministry or the it's more of like a business system that's established that you'll see the person, the main person on top is the one that's prospering the most. And those under them may be prospering that are closest to them, but it's like a trickle down effect. At least that's what it's stated. But you'll see a lot of times in the pyramid type effect or scheme that it's usually the people on top that are prospering the most. And then the ones further down are not prospering so much, but they're, they're invested into the system. So he's going to talk about the the woman with the the widow with the two mites. Let's see what he has to say about this and what I the the statement I just made because I want you to hear him say this as whatever was given in the offering, all of it counts to you like you gave it. Again, it's a focus on you being blessed financially, and they do pay. You know, they'll give lip service and say, "Well, this is a hard issue." Well, yes, it is a hard issue, but it all comes back to you being blessed materialistically and financially. So. If you're obedient, Steve, and it's going to sound wild, and I'm sure you're going to get questions about it, but if you're obedient, whatever is in that offering is counted to you like you gave it all, like you gave all of it, because we're one body. And so this is God's, this is the way God does things. See, those people that Jesus was watching giving a lot, they had a lot, but they wasn't giving uh, they weren't being obedient. They were given to be seen. And they were given for this. But that woman was obedient. Now, why would God tell a widow woman to give her last two mites? Because he could count the whole offering as hers. That Because everything in it now, it was counted like she gave it. Yeah. All right, now, now he can bless her. So I have a question. Does it say in Scripture that she was financially blessed after this, that the widow was? And and I want to make note of something here. When you look in the commentaries and you do a little bit of study on uh, Mark 12, uh, when you look at this account, for example, in Mark 12, verses 41 through 44, you're going to take note of this account about the widow's might, where Jesus is sitting opposite the treasury. He began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums, and a poor, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which was a fraction of a denarius. A denarius was a day's wage. So the the two copper coins that she put in, which this would denote the amount essentially to an eighth of a cent, it was a fraction. And so this was in relation to the the copper coins were were in relation to the the Roman system at that time. The cent uh, was very small. And even when you look, even in verse 40, for example, when you back up and you look at what Jesus said about the Pharisees, one of the things he says is that they were devouring widows' houses. And so we actually see here that her giving, it was sacrificial, for one thing. She was making a sacrifice, trusting that God was going to sustain her and provide for her because those two copper coins were enough of, I, I looked at another commentary that I have in the Moody commentary, and it mentioned about how the two copper coins were essentially enough for her to get bread for a day. And so she was trusting that God was going to provide for her and sustain for her. We don't know after that, but Robin Bullock is making it sound like, well, because she gave this, then God was able to touch her money and that he was able to ab- abundantly bless her. We don't know what happened. 
But Jesus made a note of what she did that this, he says in 43, that this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury for they all put in out of their surplus, but she out of her poverty put in all she owned, all she had to live on. So I would just take note of that context there prior to that, that the Pharisees, the scribes, and the religious people at that time, they were devouring widows' houses with this profane teaching that they had to bring what they had to the temple daily. And this woman was poor. Out of her poverty, she gave, Jesus said, all she had to live on. So this was her being, um, being abused and taken advantage of by the system of that day. And at the same time, she sacrificially gave trusting what that God was going to take care of her. She didn't give thinking, well, I'm going to get a hundredfold on this that I'm giving. It was a matter of her trusting God is going to provide for me in my day-to-day needs. But in these types of movements that many of us have come out of, that is not the teaching. It is, no, you must have abundant. You must have above. You must have wealth. You must have all of this. There's a transfer of wealth. This this prophecy has been going around for decades. Again, it has nothing to do with it. Well, they'll relate it to the tithe and offering. Your tithe is your 10%, and then you're supposed to, above and beyond what you do is an offering. And though there's some biblical truth to that, again, the whole thing goes back to, are we obligated to tithe a 10% today? And is that what was done in the Old Testament when you look at the amount of what the tithe was under the system for the Israelites in the Old Testament? The teaching is warped because you're setting people up that they, again, immediately think, well, if I have all the things that I need material-wise and then I have above that, then then God loves me and I'm blessed. But that, again, I go back to the whole thing of saying, once again, this cannot be taught universally and it be consistent in its results. But the true gospel can. Now let's hear a little bit more of what Robin Bullock has to say to Steve Schultz on this matter. Because, see, uh, you know, he's, he's married. Uh, he'll be a husband to the widow. Oh, good. And so what he said was, throw in the two mites. Because, why, Steve? Now, here's, here it is. Because all the abundance of the other people's money was in there. He said, now, if you'll be obedient and give everything I tell you to give, throw it in there. I can count it to you as if you gave that amount of money right there. In other words, that's your seed now because of your obedience, and you will never be without Please take note that the verse does not say that. Jesus did not say that. And he is assuming that the Lord told her to give this amount. And he says that in this discussion, in this video. He says that God told her to give these two coins. We know nothing about that. She gave out of her poverty is what it says. And we can see how this whole clip that I played at the beginning about the circumcised seed and the, the tithe, the tithe just walked in the house, boys, you know, with the tire shop and the angels standing there talking like that. I don't know of any angels. That sounds like Southwest Virginia angels, which I'm Southwest Virginia. That sounds like a redneck angel right there. I don't, ugh, I can't even. So anyway, you can kind of see that where he's getting this, this whole teaching of that, where you can go in and use the analogy of going into a tire store or wherever that you know, your tithe money is going to cause you to be blessed every time. And he says, basically to this same woman, the widow with the two mites, that, you know, the money you gave the two mites, that God told her to give the two mites, which the scripture does not say that. 
And because she did that, that everybody else that put their surplus in, that that money basically goes to her and that she'll never be without. Provide the Bible and verse, please, where we are promised that when we financially give money, that we will never be without. But he's saying that it's the surplus. And again, it goes back to this whole thing of not just saying, well, well, God will make sure that you're taken care of, but you'll have all this abundance. We're not promised that. That is not guaranteed to us. And and I'll say it one more time. You having financial blessing, you having material blessing does not mean that God favors you. There are many people in the world that do not love God, do not know God, and yet in his common grace, he has allowed them to have the financial blessings. They have the reward now, so-called reward. They are living it up and they are they are um, enjoying the the common grace and the common blessings that are found in this world that does not mean that they know Christ and that does not mean that he favors them that does not mean anything that is not the marker of true blessing true prosperity I want to play a little bit more because Steve asks him a question and to his credit I will say I appreciate that Steve pushed back just a little tiny bit um, on this question Now, he didn't push back, it seemed like, and we don't know because we don't have the entire video again because it was removed. We don't have the whole video to look at and evaluate on his whole analogy of the tire store thing with the angels in there and, and the circumcised money. But he does pose the question of, well, how do you know that the woman was told by God to give these mites? Let's see what what Robin says to this. And then we're going to look at. Um, some some good Bible teaching on tithing. That's one question. Be Before we close, you yeah. said on the widow's mite that Jesus was watching. Yeah. How can we say that God told her to give that? God, she knew the principle of giving. Couldn't we say she knew she wanted to give out of her heart and God didn't tell her to do it? She just wanted to? Well, you know, the scripture talks about uh, you can, if you're just giving because you want to give, then um, that's like giving alms to the poor. Mm. And so you can, you know, you can do good to the poor anytime you want to, Jesus mm. said, anytime. But when it starts talking about, he said, out of her need. Oh, okay. Remember yeah, he I said that. He yeah, said, it's out of your need, out of her need, she gave it. So we know she needed a supply. She needed that supply. So the Lord led her. And so she's acting on her. Yeah, I see what you're saying. She's acting on the knowledge that if you give out of your need, God will. He's like he's made him. He's made himself duty bound to multiply that back to you. Well, it's because it's faith. You're good. That's it takes faith to do that. It takes faith to tithe. But when people tithe, they ought to expect the windows to open. And did you know that to the tither is the only promise given? that God himself will rebuke the devourer for them, said he will rebuke him for them. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of reading into the passage. He didn't really seem to answer the question that Steve posed. And again, going back to this rebuking the devourer, that's in Malachi 3 that people like to quote many times for the offering messages, uh, tithing offering messages, that um, that when you give that God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And we we heard him say that. Uh, in the analogy with the tire store, when you circumcise that money, you know, you can't get a bum tire that's going to do some uh, potentially 
be detrimental to you. That's God rebuking the, the devourer for your sake. Well, now, so now that we've listened to that, <laughs> now that we've listened to that, I wanted to play a couple of clips for you, and I'll provide the, the full links below in the description so you can listen to them um, in your free time, in your personal time, and glean from them. But I thought that they might be helpful. And again, I know that there's varying opinions on this about, you know, should we do this, should we not? One thing to consider is the tie that was given in the Old Testament, which there are um, varying opinions as far as the percentage that was given by the Israelites as a whole f- throughout the whole year. So when you actually look at what was given, one of the things you have to take into consideration is the fact that the tithe was given to the Levitical priests. When you look at how the lands were divided up in the Old Testament, the Levites were not given land. And so their portion was given in the offerings. And there were several different offerings that the Israelites could give. And some of those were voluntary. And then there was obligatory giving that was um, commanded in scripture. And so the obligatory was given to the Levitical priests and and so that they were taken care of by God in these tithes that were given by the people. And so there are some scholars that have looked at this, and you may hear this in some of the clips, but the first one I want to play is from um, Thomas Schreiner, and he's te- speaking on behalf of the Southern Seminary, and it was a short clip on YouTube, and it, it was talking about, should I tithe today? Let's see what he had to say about that. Is a tithe required, 10% tithe? I would say no, because the tithe is part of the Mosaic Covenant. It's part of the Mosaic Law, the covenant made at Sinai with Moses and with Israel. And the New Testament is very clear. We're not under that covenant any longer. Galatians 3, uh, Romans 7, Hebrews 9 and 10. So there's a lot of texts that indicate we're not under the Mosaic Law. The tithe, the 10% that was given, is actually tied to the tabernacle and the temple, to, to the Levitical priesthood. I mean, where did those tithes go? They went to the temple. They went to the tabernacle. They, they, they went to the priests. Well, we don't have a, a temple or a tabernacle anymore. We don't have Levitical priests or Aaronic priests anymore. Jesus is our great high priest. The, the church of Jesus Christ, we are, we are the temple. So... Clearly, the tithe, as part of the Mosaic Covenant, since that covenant has passed away, it's not required of believers. Sometimes people appeal to uh, Abraham and Jacob giving tithes. They gave 10% on occasions in their life, Abraham to Melchizedek. Uh, Jacob, when God met him at Bethel, promised to give 10%. But those are one-time temporary events. There's no indication that this is something they regularly did, nor is there any command, universal command given to believers uh, from those passages. What does the New Testament emphasize? It emphasizes 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, sacrificial, generous giving. For most of us, that's 10% at least or more. However, I still am hesitant to give any particular percent. Sacrificial, generous giving. I I would say for virtually everyone, if you're one or two percent, that's not sacrificial, generous giving, is it? (laughs) So God calls upon us to give sacrificially, but we want to heed what the scripture says and to say to believers in Jesus Christ that we're to give 10%, well, 
I don't think that's in accord with the scriptures. One other point. Actually, when we read the Old Testament, this is a very difficult question. They gave more than 10%. There are several tithes. And, and sorting that all out, I tried to sort it out once. I didn't spend oodles of time on it, but I tried to sort it out. It's really hard to know how much they gave, but it's probably somewhere in the 20 percentile range. Money. And uh, I, as I said, we're not under that covenant. We're not required to tithe today, but we have the opportunity, right, the joy of giving sacrificially and generously. Don't take this answer as an invitation to say, oh, I, I don't have to give generously. I can keep my money for myself. God calls upon each one of us to be generous, sacrificial givers. He tells us that will increase your joy. That clip is about five minutes long. So again, I'll post the link below so you can listen to the full thing if you choose to do so. I'm going to post two other links. Uh, One is from For the Gospel. I won't play it here, but it's about four and a half minutes. I encourage you to listen to it. It may reiterate and also share some additional Old Testament passages with you. Um, and in referencing the uh, tithes, the different tithes that were given in the Old Testament, so you can understand that better. But I did want to play at least one or two clips from a video three years ago where Costi Hinn was talking with another pastor about tithing. And I wanted to hear what they had to say and to provide that for you because um, Costi does mention a little bit about the prosperity gospel and some of the the teachings in there that many of us are familiar with. And, and we've heard some of the um, the manipulative tactics or you know, I know people may get a little upset using that word manipulative, but they can manipulate people into giving. But I wanted to share these with you so you can glean from them. And again, the link for that will also be down below. And it's a little over 10 minutes long. So all these are very quick listens, but very informative. So the idea of the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law, letter of the law being the Old Testament, Old Covenant life, and the spirit of the law being the, the idea that, that God has, has been generous with us and we are to be generous in return, mm. uh, is spelled out clearly for us in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Yeah. Good. So when we look at that and we look at the uh, Paul's encouragement to give generously, that's the principle here when he talks about the churches in Macedonia uh, under severe affliction, but yet with abundance and joy mm. and in their extreme poverty. poverty that's yeah. so good. Having overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part, for they gave according to their means. And I can testify beyond their means. Yeah of their own accord. Nobody, it wasn't under compulsion. They wanted they to. They wanted to. They were begging for these opportunities. It says even for verse four, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints because mm-hmm. they understood, rightly so, that when you give joyfully and, and cheerfully to the Lord and to the work of his ministry, that the Lord will multiply that blessing, whether it be to them or whether it be to the saints and brothers that are in need. Okay, so let me jump in real mm-hmm. quick. Um, uh, so what you're saying is it's okay in the New Covenant for there to be different levels of giving, different percentages. You may have wealthy people who, like First Timothy 6, they're, they're rich and they're instructed to be rich in good works, generous, ready to share, like Paul says. And they're, they could give 50, 60% of their income and, and they're still living very well and enjoying life. And you could have people in tough seasons in poverty giving, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4% of their mm-hmm. income. And, and that's a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that that is okay in the new covenant, that the Lord is working through those who have and those who have not? And our hearts just need to be motivated towards generosity. That's Mm -hmm. the most important thing. Yeah, I would say that is the most important thing. I mean, Jesus uh, mentioned over and over that it's not about the letter of the law. It's about the spirit. It's about the heart of the worshiper. 
And so in this case, if you have somebody who has millions of dollars extra in their bank account and it's just sort of a pad there and they can do whatever they want with their money, that's fine. The pastors are not telling you you have to give it all or you should give it all. What we're saying is go before the Lord and ask, is it sacrificial for me to give the amount that I've been giving, or has he blessed me to give more? Mm. And for those people who are in a season of life where uh, the finances are a little tighter, say somebody's out of work, yeah. say somebody is struggling to pay down some debt, maybe it's wiser to put that money uh, aside for those lean seasons. And the Lord understands that in that season, he's providing enough for them to get through, yeah. but he's not burdening them with a tax. And I've seen some of those abuses you have too, where you know a statement that could be actually a good one, like mm-hmm. someone says, you know, I can't afford to give. And you say, you can't afford not to give. <laughs> what are you saying? I mean, yeah. if you're saying you can't afford not to give, meaning you, you want to experience the joy of giving. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can't be really experiencing the fullness of the Christian life without you know being generous towards someone else in any way, shape, yeah. or it could be small or big. Yeah. So there's that. But what most of the time guys mean is, you know, you can't afford not to give. You know, test God, right? Just like Matt. And they go back to Malachi mm-hmm. 3. And, you know, I can't afford not to give. You know, I'm blessed. I'm giving. I'm, and, and that is where the abuses come in, right? Amen. To what yeah. you're saying. It becomes this compulsory, manipulative mm-hmm. demand. Yeah, and it's also ignoring the other texts in the New Testament, like Galatians 6, where we're called to bear each other's burdens. There are seasons where people go through burdens. That's really good. And if they're burdened heavily financially, we should not burden them further by saying, you need to support the work of the ministry right now faithfully or God's not going to bless you. Now, the principle still stands in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. the, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. But this is an issue of the heart. Mm. If you sow sparingly thinking, well, I'm going to keep what's mine and I'll give a little bit to the Lord. All you're going to see is that tiny little seed be put to work and turned into something that's a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, the Lord will work faithfully with that. But what God is promising here is that if you give joyfully out of a out of a position of blessing and out of a desire to see others served the more so that you can do that and the more you're faithful to do that with whatever god has blessed you with you're going to see that infinitely return. And that doesn't not just mean, to you, sorry, not no, just yeah. to you, but also to the church around you. So you witness yeah. the blessings to everyone else. It's not about us. It's about caring for and loving the body and yeah. serving the Lord. I love life. that. So I thought that was good and and a good reminder for all of us, myself included that blessings and giving is not just so we can get back. It's not for us to focus on ourselves, but for us to focus on others and to understand the spiritual blessings, the joy that that we have in being able to be a blessing to others, to glorify God in what we're doing and everything that we do. And that includes our finances. So this is not to tell you, don't give, be stingy, keep your money, and to try to tack the teaching of tithing, but to have a better understanding biblically of what it means, and to be at peace with what God instructs us to do, and for us to evaluate our hearts and to see, you know, if God has blessed us in certain capacities, what can we do to be a blessing to others? So that we are furthering the gospel, we are furthering um, what what God wants to do in in being a blessing to others, of testifying of His goodness and His mercy and His generosity, in doing so that we are glorifying God in what we're doing, including in our finances, and we're not giving out of um, compulsion or out of manipulation or out of thinking, well, if I don't give, then I'm not going to have blessings, I'm not going to have what I want. But again 
having that mindset of how can this be a blessing to others? How can this glorify God? How can this be um, be a blessing to the body of Christ? The one last thing I wanted to share with you real quick, it's a commentary. And just to give a little bit of, um, of light on Malachi 3, for those of us that have heard this many times in uh, tithe and offering sermons, <laughs> in addition to the... <laughs> In addition to the, the the main messages that are in services when this is taught, I am looking at the Moody Commentary, and I encourage you for your Bible study, invest in you can uh, in, in commentaries. You can go on places like ThriftBooks on SecondSale.com online. You can find commentaries that are used and are decently priced. You don't have to buy brand new ones and spend hundreds or thousands of dollars you can find commentaries at a reasonable price that have been or that are secondhand and they're in good condition. That's what I've done a lot of times. And so I'm looking today at the Moody commentary. This is when I got off thrift books, for example. So I got it at a, at a reasonable price and it was used. But I looked at Malachi 3. And so I looked at verse 7 through 12 and it talks about God's rebuke of the nation for for failing to tithe. Now, commentaries are not a thus saith the Lord. This just helps us to get a, an understanding from a, another person's perspective, a Bible scholar and such, of what their interpretation or their understanding and even the historical context of that passage could be so that we can gain better understanding from something we may not know from reading, just flat out reading the verse. So this is where good Bible study comes into play. But I want to share this with you before we part ways today. In the Moody commentary for Malachi 3, beginning in verse 7, it shares some of the insights into this of God's rebuke for the nation of Israel for failing to tithe because they had not obeyed God in the Mosaic covenant. And in fact, they were bringing animals that were crippled and maimed, and that was flat out disobeying. They, they had no regard, reverence, or regard for God's commands. They were bringing crippled, lame, blemished animals for the offering, or they weren't bringing them at all. They were holding them back, and essentially they were robbing God. And so this in the context is talking to the nation of Israel. And um, beginning in this Moody commentary, it says the next disputation pertained to Israel's disobedience of the law, having accused God of being unjust by tolerating evil. This is what the Israelites were saying to God. The nation felt justified in their breaking of the law. Although the nation had disobeyed since the days of their fathers, God graciously offered them restoration if they would return or repent. The people responded by asking, how shall we return? They were not asking how to repent, but rather, how can we repent if we do not know how we have sinned? Therefore, in verses 8 and 9, this commentary states, The Lord gave a specific example of their disobedience, their failure to give tithes and offerings. The word offerings likely links this to the temple tithe for the priests, and that's referenced in Numbers 18, verses 8 through 32. Their sin was tantamount to robbing God. In the commentary regarding verses 10 through 12 in Malachi 3, it says, Challenging their faith, God called upon them to test him. If they would give, he promised to pour out blessings so that they would not have blight, but rather an abundance of crops. This would produce a great testimony to the surrounding nations. In seeing their abundance, the nations would recognize God's blessing on Israel. 
It goes on to say three questions are frequently raised regarding the application of this passage today. First, does God require storehouse giving or giving only to one's local congregation? The New Testament shows believers giving to other congregations, 1 Corinthians 16 verses 1 and 2 and 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 through 5, indicating that giving cannot be restricted to one's church and additional giving to other ministries is certainly a good use of money. Second, is tithing giving 10% still required? Since Paul writes that each believer should give as he has purposed in his heart, 2 Corinthians 9-7, and on the basis of how God has prospered him, 1 Corinthians 16-2, it appears that 10% is not required. However, for believers having experienced God's grace in the Messiah Jesus, it also seems that 10% would be a good starting point for giving, though more affluent believers should regularly give a much higher percent. Finally, will giving result in material benefits? The promise of agricultural blessing is directed to Israel based on their obedience to the law, a promise tied only to those living under the Mosaic Covenant. It is not guaranteed to those living under the New Covenant. However, the New Testament indicates that believers who give generously, sacrificially, and with cheerful hearts will experience spiritual blessings. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 7-11 through 11. And it is truly a blessing to give to others. It's a spiritual blessing. We can rejoice. We have joy when we see that we are helping others, that we're blessing others, that God has given us the ability to do that and to help other people, whether it's fellow believers or we see a stranger that we don't know that uh, that may be a believer, may not be a believer, but that we are acting in such a way that we um, we were created for good works. And this is, I believe this is part of our good works is that if, if we've been blessed to be stewards over finances, that we, one of our good works that we get to do, not to earn salvation again, but because we're created for good works as born again believers to glorify God, we get to be a blessing to other people. And so I just encourage you in that. If you're able to do that, be a blessing to others. If you're not, find other ways to be a blessing to other people. Give your time. Sit and talk to someone that's elderly and listen to them get, and, and give them some uh, fellowship or companionship. Find ways that you can be a blessing to other people. Think more highly of others than you do yourself. We want to look for ways that we can glorify God. We can glorify Christ and and that we have those opportunities that we get to share the gospel with other people, that we get to point them back to scripture, that we get to point them back to saving faith in Christ, and that we get to testify of the joy of his salvation. And that we get to we get to testify of him in word and deed in our conduct, that we walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. And Part of our walk with that is how we handle our finances. And I don't want you to be manipulated into thinking, well, I have to give this certain amount. And if I don't, then I'm then God is not going to bless me or I'm not going to have everything that I need. Listen, if you're a believer, God is your father and he'll provide for you. That doesn't mean that you're going to always walk in abundance and you're going to have all this material wealth, but you can trust him. And that if he's given you the ability to be steward, a steward over finances, over wealth, then he's given you an amazing opportunity to be a blessing to others and to be generous. And so this is something, as the scripture says, that we have to purpose in our hearts how to give. This is a matter of the heart and us going to God in prayer and, and, and asking him what we are to do and to have that peace and knowing that 
He's going to direct our paths. He's going to lead us in the way and that we know what his word says and that we apply it to our, our lives in a way that's going to glorify him and in everything that we do. And so I hope that this has been helpful today and that it's encouraged you. And again, I know that this can be a topic of contention, but when we are purposing in our hearts to do what God has told us to do with our finances, then it won't be an area of contention, no matter what the percentage is that we're glorifying Christ. So I look forward to our time together again. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope that you'll consider leaving a five-star review and that you'll share it with others that may need to hear it. And and if you have any questions or just want to share anything, feel free to email me at dawn at lovesickscribe.com. Until next time, be blessed today by the truth of God's word. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at lovesickscribe. And if you enjoy reading, feel free to hop on over to lovesickscribe.com and subscribe to my blog. I've enjoyed being with you today, and I look forward to our next time together as we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and we continue to grow together in loving the Word and loving the one who is the Word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.